The provincial campaign to vaccinate school-age kids 5 to 11 is in its seventh week. Would you be shocked if I told you that just 45% of parents had taken their kids for the first jab? It seems to me that most people are on the same page and they want in-person learning to begin on January the 17th. And everybody agrees they'd like everyone to be as safe as possible if we go back to classrooms and in-person learning. Uh, but the uptake isn't nearly where it needs to be. Dr. Dina Kulik is a pediatrician and founder of Kid Crew Medical. She's been on the show before and she joins us once again. Welcome to the program. Good to have you back. Good morning. Can you illustrate what's been happening when it comes to the demand for COVID vaccines when it, you know, we're talking about that age group of 5 to 11-year-olds since it became available? Yes. Interestingly, the uptake for vaccines for kids 5 to 12 has been significantly less than what we expected, what we're hopeful for, a lot less than the uptake for teenagers and adults as well. And it is a trouble when we're thinking about, you know, going back to school in person, hopefully very soon. We want our kids to be as safe as possible, as protected as possible. And vaccination is a big piece of that. And yet a lot of kids are not yet vaccinated, even with one dose. In Toronto, 92% of kids aged 12 to 17 have received the first dose of the vaccine. Now, that's great news. It'd be nice if they got the second. But where's the roadblock when it comes to the uptake with the younger group, the 5 to 11-year-olds? Is it lack of available pediatric vaccines or convenient clinics? What do you uh, suspect is happening here? I don't think it's those two options. There have been many, many clinics staffed since seven weeks ago, as you mentioned. I have many colleagues who have gone to staff these clinics and there's very few people that come in even though they have an abundance of vaccines. I think from what I'm hearing from my own patients at Kid Crew is that many parents fall into two categories. Either they are worried about the vaccine because it's new and children are young and they're worried about some kind of potential side effects. A lot of this comes from misinformation and mythical propagation on social media in particular. And then there's another group, and sometimes this overlaps, where families keep hearing that this particular strain, Omicron, is very mild and rarely causes illness in kids. And a lot of families think it's just not a risk for their own child, and they're not as worried about their kids becoming infected. Okay. And you said this is what parents think. What is the reality of how Omicron is affecting 5 to 11-year-olds in the province? Because we heard devastating news that uh, I believe at least two young very young children passed away from COVID recently. Correct. Yeah. So unfortunately, a few children have died. And of course, many more in the U.S. where they have higher numbers. While it's true that most children do very well with COVID, this variant and previous, most kids have mild illness. There are some children that do get very sick and some children will die. If we have enough patients that get COVID, enough of those people will be children and a small proportion of those children will get very sick. It's just a numbers game, really. But also, I think it's important to mention that the acuity of the illness may not be very severe for most children and adults, but we're only beginning to understand the sequelae from an infection. Many children and adults suffer from long-term symptoms that we've called long COVID, and it doesn't seem to be predictable who's going to be at risk of symptoms after the illness. It doesn't seem to matter how severe the illness was, Some children and adults with very mild illness have long COVID. And, you know, there's increasing evidence around other potential risks like inflammatory conditions such as diabetes type 1. What's your message to parents then who are listening, who are hesitating booking the vaccine appointment for these 5 to 11-year-olds? 
I think you could be reassured that the vaccine is safe. Yes, it's new-ish, but it's being given to many, many, many millions, billions of people around the world. Many millions of children have received the vaccine. It has very minimal short-term side effects. There's absolutely no reason to suspect there'll be any long-term side effects, despite what people are saying online. This is just not based on any real evidence whatsoever. Vaccines don't typically give long-term side effects. That's just not something that we see. You know, it goes in the body and the body basically kills that uh, vaccine and, and leaves no remnants within a few days, a few weeks. To think that there's long-term side effects on the vaccine is just not evidence-based. But again, there are potential and real long-term side effects from COVID illness. So I don't think that parents have to be worried the vaccine is dangerous or going to harm their child, but COVID can, both short-term and long-term. And again, if there's enough cases of COVID, we will see more kids getting severe illness and potentially dying. If 45% of people have given their uh, 5 to 11-year-olds their first dose of COVID-19's vaccine, how concerned should we be that this might actually affect reopening of in-class in learning? Do you think the province is going to look at these uh, vaccine um, stats and maybe suggest that it would be better to, to hit the pause button for longer than the 17th? I can't even begin to guess uh, what the threshold is going to be from the government perspective. Of course, you know, school was closed a lot longer last year before vaccines were available. What I can say, though, is that the numbers of COVID cases are rising dramatically. Hospitals are filled. A lot of people think that, well, again, if the illness is not so severe, why are hospitals filling up? Well, again, it's a numbers game. Enough people will get sick if the numbers are high enough. But I think resources is also a very important thing to discuss, which is doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, phlebotomists, porters are also getting COVID and need to stay home with their families or family members of theirs are getting COVID and they need to stay home to be with them. So it's not as much an issue of bed space, though that is becoming a challenge in hospitals and other places, but people, we need more people to care for people that have COVID that do get admitted. Plus all the surgeries, procedures, cancer diagnostics, a lot of things that have now been bumped because resources in terms of space and people. So it is much more than just people getting sick. There's a lot more that will play into trying to minimize the burden of COVID right now. Dr. Kula, can we turn our attention to adults for a second? I know it's not, you know, you're a pediatric uh, specialist, but let's just, I'm hearing reports now that a lot of adults are booking their booster shots, which is great news. But they're showing up and they're learning that it's Moderna because we have a shortage of Pfizer. Um, we're still waiting on delivery. And they're actually walking away. Can you speak to this? And what's your advice when it comes to interchangeability with the mRNA vaccines and the need for speed? Yeah, of course. I think that people should get whatever vaccine is available to them. And yes, there's a shortage of Pfizer, as we've seen in the past. Sometimes Pfizer's down. Sometimes Moderna stocks are down. It is well studied both in literature as well in real world, in actual people, that these vaccines, the mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, are interchangeable. In fact, there's some studies that show that getting the other one that you've not had yet before can actually boost immunity even further. So if you were going for your booster and you've had Moderna before, you'll get Moderna again currently in Ontario and across much of Canada. If you've had Pfizer before, you can absolutely safely and confidently get a Moderna booster it might even do you better than getting a Pfizer booster. I know that the Moderna booster is uh, half the dose, right? Correct. 
Okay. So now here's my question, because I have talked about this with several people, and I, I haven't talked to a, a medical professional about this yet. But if you receive the AstraZeneca, and then you received an mRNA booster, should you be getting a half dose or a full dose of that second mRNA? Because technically, you've only really received one mRNA booster in the past. Yes, but you do have antibodies from the previous vaccine from AstraZeneca. I do believe in those situations that people do receive the half dose. There's also okay. a bit of a sliding scale. So if you're someone that's higher risk or have an immunocompromised state, there's actually a bit more of a dose that people will get. So you can get a three-quarter dose. Those kind of details should be discussed with people's healthcare providers because they can assess that individual's personal risk for having severe illness to decide what the best top-up booster dose is. I know that the city is, just to get us back where we started, they're going to be opening up... Uh, Extra vaccine clinics are setting up about 27 cl uh, clinics over the next two weeks in an effort to get younger students as well as education workers vaccinated before the return of in-class learning on January 17th. Any parting words for people that are still a little bit concerned about their five to seven, uh, five to uh, 11 year olds when it comes to the COVID vaccine? The vaccine is safe. It's effective. It has mild, mild or no side effects in the short term. There's no reason to suspect nor any evidence to suggest that there's any medium or long-term side effects from the vaccine, but the illness has short-term and potentially much worse long-term side effects. And we're only beginning to understand the effects of this variant on children long-term, but there is some evidence to suggest that it increases the risk of other long-term complications such as diabetes. I really encourage families to consider giving their children the vaccine. It has been given millions and millions of times and it is safe and a good option to protect our kids. Dr. Kulik, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Stay well. Have a great day. Cheers. That is Dr. Dina Kulik. She's a pediatrician and founder of Kid Crew Medical.